Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does its better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, we got to grips with the legacy of Tron, which means today it's time to put on some sunglasses and hit the local BDSM club where we can have a boogie to the latest white zombie track because we want answers to the question. It's the question that brought us here from 1999. What is The Matrix? Never had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real. What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? What is happening to me? The answer is out there, Neo. It's the question that drives us. What is the Matrix? We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. Dodge this. I'm Alex Zane. <laughs> I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And joining us for today's episode, we have a very special guest. She's a film and television journalist who's worked for massive brands from IGN to fandom to the BBC. Her latest book, Why We Love The Matrix, is out now. Welcome back to Clash Pod, the brilliant Kim Taylor Foster. <laughs> Thank you. It is great to have you on at this show. It's great to have you on for Toronto Monday. But like I said then, you are our very own Oracle. And as our Oracle, did you bring cookies? Oh, <laughs> negative. Come on. <laughs> you were even talking about oranges on Monday. Mm-hmm. You've made us all hungry. Yeah. Oh, I should have baked orange cookies with a bit of Jeff Bridges. Oh, just a Terry's <laughs> chocolate orange would have been great. I love a Terry's chocolate orange. So do I. Oh, my God. <laughs> so weird. Some people hate them. It's weird, isn't it? I have cut people out of my life yeah. for that. Like for one pound, you can have all this pleasure. All What's of it. What's wrong with you? All of it. 
Great Don French adverts as well. <laughs> <laughs> they're not Terry's, they're mine. Great stuff. Anyway, um, you brought with you today, Kim, a wealth of Matrix knowledge, which is to be found in your book, Why We Love the Matrix. What made you write it? Because I love the Matrix and a lot of other people also love the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> it is very true. How are you feeling about the lack of Jeopardy this week, Chris? Fine. Good. Excellent. It's the Matrix. It is the Matrix. <laughs> uh, now, I imagine uh, fans of the show, uh, let's call them fans, Clash Podders, dear, or Clash Podders, uh, you're used to Tilly trivia being very prevalent on the show but today we're having some foster factoids oh. <laughs> not to put you on the spot didn't check with you just came up with the name thought I'd stick it in how do you feel about that uh, what, well uh, I'm fine about that what are you asking me oh, a lot throughout the next four hours this episode will take us to get through it's alright Chris I've really really I haven't I don't know why I was going to lie to you there's a lot in these notes but they're good questions uh, very quickly if you haven't subscribed to us if you'd be kind enough to do that on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your pods it'd be massive appreciated by the three of us and if you're able to give us a little rating and review we'd be very grateful and if you give us a review you could have it read out on the show by the wonderful Chris Tilly aka Chris Thrilly which sounds a bit like this uh, from Since Boy who says I love this podcast so much I never realised I was so interested in the finer details of movie making and this is a thoroughly entertaining way of learning more the best thing is that when the movie is rubbish these guys make sure it wasn't a waste of my life as I listen to them prattle on about it in the most amusing way five stars <sighs> Cracking Thanks very review. much. Yeah. You imagine you love Monday then. <laughs> <laughs> so, Vicky's choices, this means. Uh, oh, actually, do you want to talk about January before we crack into yeah, this? Yeah, if you want to suggest a terrible rubbish film, then uh, we are doing a month of listener choices in January. So email us at show at clashpod.com telling us the pairings you would like to hear. And why? And it has to be email. Those are the rules, right? Has to be email. And you know what? Between <laughs> me talking and us posting this, uh, our wonderful listener Sarah in Austin has drawn up a spreadsheet, which I will post the link to, where you can type in a film title and see if we've done it. Because I would say about 20% of the suggestions have been films we've already done. So uh, I'll post that so you can check to make sure so you're not missing out. Work for us. That is amazing. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, That's it's awesome. Really good. I mean, none of us thought to do no. that. So well done. Okay, let's crack into this. On Monday, Chris brought in the logic probe, which was very painful and difficult to say, which means today you take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Let me take you on a journey. Cult leader Morpheus goes around picking up disciples by promising to show people the truth, when what he really does is tell them just enough of the truth to make them take the red pill, and then when it's too late to plug back into the Matrix, goes, oh yeah, and by the way, you live in a world of constant danger, eat synthetic gruel for every meal, and there's no sun, and also, my ship, my rules. Any questions? Can I go back? Nope, but you can enjoy these training programs, which are basically like the Matrix, but not as good, apart from the sex one Mouse created. We spend most of our time in that one because it's so shit here. <laughs> so you basically spend all your time plugged in to escape this reality. Uh-huh. Like being plugged into the Matrix. No, because here you're free. 
to eat gruel. <laughs> this is too much for our hero, Cypher, who understandably resents Morpheus for his trickery and thinks the machines offer of living in the Matrix in exchange for them simply using our body heat for power seems pretty fucking fair. Almost managing to enact his plan by killing just three people a drop in the ocean to Trinity and Neo's body count when rescuing Morpheus. He's then tragically murdered by Morpheus's brainwashed disciples, the end. Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, are the Matrix. It's a different take, granted, <laughs> but a take it is. So, history with this movie. Let's start with you, Chris. So it came out in the UK a few months after the States in June 1999. That was the month I left uni. So that month is a bit of a blur, really. Um, so I can't remember actually seeing it, but I can remember how it made me feel. And I think it's the closest I got to that Star Wars moment that mm. the generation above us had when they were kids um, in my lifetime. But watching it this time, I was trying to put myself in a pre-Matrix mindset to feel how this felt the first time watching it and I found it really difficult because it's so influential and it's it feels like it's always been with us mm. but I was trying to capture that excitement because it was I don't know it just made me feel elated it's quite difficult watching it so many times and then trying to remember what it felt like mm. watching it that very first time Kim what was yours well I saw it at the cinema when it came out and uh and at the time and I will say that I didn't like it very much when it first came out and and that's because <laughs> at the time this is going to make me sound horrible. I was definitely a cinema snob. Uh, extreme horror I was into and I was studying a film. film. I was at university studying film. Uh, so it was all Ingmar Bergman, Westerns, film noir, classic Hollywood and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I was a bit down on mainstream movies, mm -hmm. big budget mainstream movies, particularly in the wake of, you know, this. this came after... Uh, Batman and Robin and we'd had those big, big Shit. bombs. <laughs> big turds on the cinema screen. Um, and so I went into it thinking, well, this is sold as a big budget effects laden actioner and mm. this is maybe not for me. I, I loved, <clears throat> you know, the 80s action films because I grew up with those, but, mm. uh, you know, the Arnie movies and stuff. But um, so I, I prejudged it. And, and what I saw was, um, mm, yes, OK. Uh, and it wasn't until uh, years later that I reappraised it. And That's interesting. I, this is one of the first times I remember realising that the reviews written in newspapers could be absolute bollocks because it was the first time I think I'd seen a film in my lifetime that I was like, this is so special. But I read a Guardian review that was like, no, 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 this is awful. And I'm like, oh, shit. Some people don't know what they're talking about, but in a position of power. Vicky. I didn't see it at the cinema. I saw it. No correlation there, by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice. I didn't mean it. This is the way I said, I uh, Vicky. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Uh, I saw it in my student house. So I wouldn't. So the thing is, I was really. We once we'd watched it once. We just watched it many, many, many times. We've seen it many times because we loved it. It was a perfect like student house film. But I saw it at the right time for me in terms of I'd done. We'd done Plato's The Cave at college. We were doing Baudrillard at college, other college, grown up college. Mm. So I saw it at the right time to understand what was going on. And what I remember thinking was, what a fucking brilliant way of doing that. Mm. So, but I think if I'd seen it, I'd have been any younger, like 15 or 16, I think it would have blown my head off. Like, I think I would be 
like like cultish kind of fanatical following of it. But I, we absolutely loved it in that house. We had the soundtrack. We had it all. Like it was. I went as the red pill and the blue pill in fancy dress <laughs> ones. Both um, of them. Yeah. Okay. How do you wear? Like, how, Just a half and half red top, uh, blue top, red trousers, right, a lot right. of makeup, and then it was brilliant. And I thought it was very funny and very clever because the theme of the party was like truth. And I was like, here I am. Oh, that's good. And then We're better or worse than your prawn cocktail outfit. Oh, good question. <laughs> Um, as playful, Great. as playful, Great. was ruined, and this didn't happen as a prawn cocktail, which you think is a bit of an open goal, really, for any sort of men wandering around. Towards the end of the night, a man came up to me and he went, I'll have the red pill, and he licked the side <laughs> of my face. Oh, no, hello. <laughs> I was drunk. <laughs> but I like to be described as a man. <laughs> So, yeah, that's, that's my history. Uh, I can tell you exactly where I was when I saw this, as I'm sure a lot of people can. 1999 in the Camden Odeon in Parkway. And I just remember, it's like you said, Chris, I, I've just never felt that energy in, in a cinema, both for me and I guess for a lot of people watching it there. And I think I might have gone over the top with my description, but I equated it not to Star Wars, but to the first time people watched a film in colour. Because <laughs> <Wow. laughs> I was genuinely like, this is unbelievable. I just I, I just remember having my, my little mind blown. Side note, I did get a little bit confused for a short while because I'd watched Existence mm. in the same cinema about two months earlier, mm. and I the two films kind of merged for a moment until I rewatched The Matrix again and again years later. Whereas I've never seen Existence again. And had you seen Dark City around that era as well? I had seen Dark City. There was yeah. something in the zeitgeist, wasn't there? It there was, was the Millennium. Yeah, and obviously yeah. we had the Truman Show as well, and like it was. It was in the, a bit like, I didn't say it on Monday, but a bit like with Tron where we had War Games and Terminator at that time, that fear of computers was just in the ether and here it was this, you know, all these philosophical things we'll get onto. Mm. So, uh, I'm going to blitz through this, but I am going to look to you consistently, uh, Kim, uh, for any other tidbits that uh, you have to add in. But I thought I'd jump straight in with the casting of this movie just because it's quite exciting about how uh, the Wachowskis and... Producer Lorenzo de Boventura asked pretty much everyone in Hollywood to uh, be in this movie. I think so. I mean, most famously, Will Smith turned it down mm. to uh, do Wild Wild <laughs> West, <laughs> which I think he thinks is the biggest mistake of his career. Yeah, but also he, he did a video in in 2019. I don't, I'm sure you've seen this, where he sort of tries to explain what happened, and he's very funny in it. He just said that the Wachowskis tried to explain it to him and he didn't have a clue what they were talking about. Yeah, he throws it back into their court. He goes, look, they are undeniably geniuses, but the way they explained it to me was not a way that I could understand. They were they were describing jumps and they were describing cameras and not really story. And mm. so he did Wild Wild West. But as he said, it was going to be him and Val Kilmer. And so he said, if I got the role, it would have been Val Kilmer as Morpheus. So you never would have got Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus and so it would have messed The Matrix up. He said, like, the, the movie The Matrix may be the world that we live in, if that's The Matrix. And so he, he ends by saying, I did you all a favour. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it wasn't the first choice, though. Apparently, Brad Pitt was the first person to say yes. Uh, this is according uh, to Lorenzo. Uh, he says, the first movie star who said yes was Brad Pitt. He was doing seven years in Tibet, and then he's coming off, and he's like... I'm way too exhausted to take this on. So he's gone. Then we go to Leonardo DiCaprio. He says yes. We have meetings with him. And then he goes, you know, I can't do another special effects movie after Titanic. So he drops out. Then it's the Will Smith story. And like you say, it was uh, Michael Douglas as well was looked at as Morpheus. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was looked at as Morpheus. 
I mean, no, but wow. Mm. <laughs> Just the, the image of Schwarzenegger on that set dressed in a long black trench coat. <laughs> Weird. Uh, and then uh, not Sean Connery. Uh, everyone talks about Sean Connery still as potentially have been cast as Morpheus, but he was actually looked at for the architect in the sequels. Uh, who else, Kim? Did you mention Russell Crowe? I didn't mention Russell Crowe. He was going to be Morpheus. Yeah. Uh, imagine that. Don't imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they were still so desperate for a Neo that they uh, actually approached Sandra Bullock. Oh, my God. Mm. I didn't know that. I know you didn't mm. know that. Well, I've just got a bit upset. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the record, Victoria is, uh, would it be fair to say a little bit in love with Sandy? Yeah, yeah, 100%. More mm. than a little bit, yeah. to be honest. A hell of a lot. Uh, yeah. She can do anything. Yeah, they approached her and said... Uh, uh, you well, killed it in the net, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about computers not well, so now you can talk about them well. Yay! <laughs> uh, well, they said, we'll change the girl to Neo. We'll change Neo to a girl, sorry. Um, but she didn't want to do it at the time. Although in 2009, she said that they had also approached her as... Um, Trinity. Trinity. Yeah. yeah. Trinity as well. But, Speed um, reunion. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Uh, but she said uh, it went to Carrie Ann Moss and the film was sexy and great because of Carrie Ann and Keanu. So the good news is Keanu did say yes. And in Devenbor and Lorenzo. Bonaventura, yeah. <laughs> I'm calling him Lorenzo. Uh, Lorenzo's words was awesome. Have I missed out any major ones in that list? Well, in in terms of Trinity, Jada Pinkett Smith okay. went up for it. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, but they said there was like it was a lack of chemistry with Keanu that yes. kept her out. Yeah, that's mm. right. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't there. I, I don't know what that chemistry <laughs> was. Like. There's going to be moments like that when I turn to you and go, "But you you wrote a book, so what was it like in the room? Did something bad happen?" Oh yeah, you know, I can't talk about it. I signed a, a thing. Um, and Gillian Anderson was also <gasps> no Trinity. Oh my god, it have been great. I'm so into that idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, hands up, Carrie Ann Moss is fucking phenomenal as Trinity, but Gillian Anderson, I can really see. Yes, it yeah. works for me. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, it does. It does actually, and I'm pain to say it because, because uh, you know, she's great. Carrie Ann Moss yeah. is perfect. It's a weird one. I was going to do it later, but I think for a couple of roles in this, and especially Trinity and Carrie Ann Moss, I'd never seen Carrie Ann Moss in anything before. And I do have this theory that the first, if it's a good film, like the first role that you see an actor in often becomes the role that defines the actor, not for them and not always for other people, but for you. It's like the the cast of Jaws. I'd never seen any of those actors in any other role. And so for me, each of them is still their character on the Orca, like Mm. forevermore. It's like the same with Trinity Mm. and Carrie Anne. But but purely from a physical point of view, it's great that she looks like him. Mm. Mm -hmm. It just just works on another level, doesn't it? It does. It does. So The Matrix was a huge investment for Warner Brothers, kind of, in the sense that it was an idea that was going to cost $60 million. Well, that's not a huge amount of money in terms of what other movies were costing. Uh, they needed to get on board with this. And part of the reason is what you just mentioned, Kim, as far as I can tell, Batman and Robin's failure had made them wise up to the idea that perhaps just these massive, bloated franchise movies that were pretty dumb weren't the way to go. And maybe audiences were looking for something a little more thought-provoking. Yes. Uh, yeah, they definitely. And, and not only that, but um, but something new and original. And, and they had a real feeling that audiences were thirsty for that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, so as proof of concept, the Wachowskis uh, hired comic book, art, comic book artists uh, to, to draw up uh, the whole storyboard 
for the film. Yes, well, um, Lana Wachowski had had a job um, working on comics at the time uh, that they created the script. Um, and they went to artist Jeff Darrow, who created visuals, mm. um, and then uh, for the film's tech mainly, so the whole steampunk look, and and Steve Scrose put the, put 600 storyboards together, which were all of this stuff was, was uh, integral in convincing uh, stupid people at Warner Brothers <laughs> who could not comprehend the words on the page. Well, yeah, Devon De Bonaventura said the th the first thirty pages were the best thirty pages I've ever read of a script, and then I just got really confused. Mm. So yeah. there we go. Here it all is. But he knew he loved it mm -hmm. and uh, just needed other execs to buy into mm. it. Yeah, because so. he was the one who first purchased the rights. He was the one pushing it to yeah. Warner's, going, "Look, this is really, really good." And um, what actually eventually convinced Warner's, um, and they got in the words of uh, one of the production team. I think this was on the DVD documentary I watched. Uh, it secured Warner's total support of the movie was when they sent them the cut of Trinity and the cops, the first like three minutes of mm -hmm. it. And Warner's went, fuck yeah, we're in. Yeah, right. <laughs> As everyone who saw the movie yeah. similarly said, mm -hmm. fuck yeah, we're in. Um, Let's talk a bit about the action. Uh, both uh, the directors had long been admirers of Hong Kong action cinema. And so they got Chinese martial arts choreographer Yuan Wu Ping to work on the fight scenes. Um, he, he, they were largely inspired by his film Fist of Legend. He is a bit of a legend. He'd done Drunken Master and Iron Monkey, and he just worked on his first Hollywood movie with Jet Li, which was Lethal Weapon Four. He said in an interview he was optimistic about what he could do with The Matrix, uh, but then he got very, very worried because it's funny about that <laughs> because of how unfit his words the cast were. He, he said when he saw them kick and punch. He knew he had a problem. So uh, he thought they'd need two months to train them. He was given four months, which he said is way too much time. And then he saw them said, we're going to need more than four months. <laughs> and so that's why it ended up being about six months of yeah. training because they just couldn't do what he asked of them, especially Carrie-Anne Moss. She had, she had real issues with some of the physical stuff. Which again, just I think when he says, they're just not fit enough, it must be because he's worked with some of the best martial artists in yeah. the world and they're not martial artists as opposed to going, they're just not very fit people. Like They're wheezing <laughs> around the set. Keanu's overweight, stop eating burgers. I think he hurt his back on the yeah, set. Yeah, he, he, he was wearing a neck brace through all the training, all the training. videos. So. And a which is an interesting look. <laughs> you would do that. I would do that. You yeah. would do that. I would. Uh, so we get a couple of great terms, uh, wirefu and gunfu, which sort of entered the lexicon uh, after this movie. Um, the wirefu coming from Yuen uh, Wu-Ping and uh, gunfu, largely inspired by John Wu, it's fair to say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's where that's where they took that from. I'm... <laughs> And took it forward, you know, because mm. uh, John Woo wasn't hugely well known uh, back then. So, uh, yeah, they made it mainstream. Uh, sadly, Carfu from Speed Racer never entered the lexicon quite so much. Kind of did with John Wick, though. John Wick was, was utilising Carfu, where he was using the car as a weapon. Yeah, well, and the J Chad Stahelski connection. Mm. Chad Stahelski, who uh, is behind the John Wick movies was a stuntman in um, The Matrix. Yes. Mm. That's right, yeah. And uh, I, I, I'm not a massive disliker of Speed Racer. I know a lot of people are. And just as a sidebar, why don't we do that with Cannonball Run? <laughs> I'd like to do Speed Racer. In fact, this week it's been on Sky and Heavy Rotation. I watched a bit of it and I remembered 
what I hated about it, which is what the kid with the monkey. Don't and remember. And the kid with the monkey is in it more than you remember. That's the thing. I remember thinking, oh, that was quite cool. Why haven't I watched that again? And then I caught five. I was like, oh, no, this kid. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's do it. It's still probably better than Cannibal Run. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, and I'm not going to go into the tech side of this, but uh, Chris mentioned it on Monday, bullet time. Incredible when you saw that. Uh, and amazing that they didn't even hold it back. Like the, the probably about the third big moment, well, the first big moment in the movie mm. is bullet time when Trinity leaps it into the air, um, which obviously went on to be copied by everything. Does anyone have a favourite non-Matrix-related bullet time? What I've got mine. Question. Well, wasn't it... So they said they invented bullet time for this movie. They did the, the, the Gaita, Gator, the guy, the guy who did... John Gator, yeah. John Gator. But I remember, wasn't the big thing, it was the Shudderman advert for The Judderman. The Judderman. Mm, yeah. That was the advert that, that preceded this, and they used bullet for time in that. Bikes. Yeah. He's a yeah. welcome Michelle the Gond- Judder Man. Michelle Gondry, Gondry directed yeah, directed it. it. Which I think they talk about as an influence on this, don't they, Kim? They do, yeah. Mm. I mean, in terms of... Because um... we nicked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going we're gonna to have to decide whether we're saying nicked or influenced well, when we get to the anime section. <laughs> uh, John Gator, who headed up the, the uh, VFX department, uh, he, he had that as an influence. But the influence on the Wachowskis, I think, primarily was Speed Racer, the original cartoon. Right. And there's an o- yep. the opening credits yeah uh, there's a there's a bullet time good shot shot in animation Mm. uh so yeah i enjoyed it the most when i realized it had possibly lost its sheen however was when it was in a center parks tv ad and they did a swan taking off in bullet time no (laughs) i was like oh i just got over watching a face hugger in bullet time in avp shrek oh god yeah oh yeah yeah Remember, remember when Shrek was funny. <laughs> it was too long ago. So, uh, as I just mentioned, anime, a huge influence. Akira is certainly one, but Ghost in the Shell, um, it's not just a, an influence. There are shots in The Matrix which are pulled directly from Ghost in the Shell. The pillar being shot to pieces as Neo hides behind it is a direct image from Ghost in the Shell. Uh, The plug in the back of the neck, the bullets spraying through the water towards Agent Smith when they're rescuing Morpheus is exactly like the way the bullets hit the water in that anime. I think it's fine. It's a live action thing. And credit to Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) <laughs> sure, sure. That feels that feels like enough times passed. You know, you know when you've just forgotten a movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, yeah. It, I, I mean, I love it, and I love the fact that they, you know, they didn't hide it. It's not like they were like, shh, we yeah. didn't really watch it. They, you know, they gave it to Joel Silver. Um, Joel Silver. Uh, I think it was shown to Joel Silver actually. Yeah, and uh, they went, look, this is the movie we want to make, just live action, and he was thrilled by that. So, yeah, I mean, it's every idea they ever had in their entire lives, but I think it's also everything they ever saw in their entire lives. Yes. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Mm. <laughs> so. No, I mean, I, I talk at length in my book about what the the reason for that is. I mean, I don't know how conscious it was on their part, but um, because because they're influenced by... Baudrillard mm. um, and and uh, the, the philosophical side of simul- simulacra and simulation. Mm. It makes sense that they'd assimilate all these influences into their work. You can get away with anything, can't you? Yeah. Nothing's got an original. Everything's a copy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we did yeah. it on purpose. Have you read it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe it makes this fine. <laughs> we cherry-picked, like with the movie. Uh, so... 
It made a slight amount of money. 63 million is what it cost in the end. 465.3 million. It was something of a hit, and rightly so. Shall we freaking talk about it? Yeah. All right. I don't know whether I was excited at the time, but I certainly am now every time I see the Warner Brothers logo in green. So I rag you constantly <laughs> about this, but the first time I saw that in that student house, I was like, fucking awesome. I'm weird, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird. And it's the one I remember, whenever you reference it, I, I've just got so used to you being like, isn't it cool? And, lot, and I was like, no, it's not. But the first time I saw that, I was like, what's happening? Mm. It's the sound design yeah, as well. That music as well. Mm. It feels like, oh, we're... We're through the looking glass here, but it's like it's this new language, not only visually, but also, you know, musically and sonically. And it's like, yeah, just right from the word go, everything's different. And the first person we meet is Trinity sitting with her back to us in that room of the main cast, at least. And it's a cool shot. It looks like something out of a freaking horror movie when she's just sitting in that derelict room. Um, we get the cops downstairs and I love this moment. I'm, I'm still always, I don't know whether I love or it takes me out of the movie. The fact that the cop uses the phrase, you give me that juris my diction crap and <laughs> oh you can God, cram it up your ass. Oh my God, that's one of my MVWs. I say that to Mark all the time. I've never heard that saying I before. I say it always because you never ask me to take the bins out. He, when I don't want to do a job in the house, mm. I'll say, don't give me that juris my, I'll say that's not my juris my diction. Is this a phrase that existed before the Matrix I don't then? think so. I think I took it from the Matrix. I'm the only person I know that says it. Mark now just understands it as a byword for I'm not doing that thing that you've asked me to do. <laughs> but every time I say it, I have a little chuckle to myself. Yeah. It's just a weird turn of phrase that I've never heard. Anyway, Agent Smith is like, the orders were for your protection. And the lieutenant's like, I think we can handle one girl. Uh, we sent two units, they're bringing her down now. Basically, this works because it goes, hey, audience, Trinity is a freaking badass. Hmm. And you're about to see that in a moment's time. So you get the double hit of like, Oh, I'm excited to see this. Yeah, and yeah. then when you see it, it's just setting up their first fucking iconic shot. Well, it's the line, him saying, Lieutenant, your men are already dead. Yes. That's yeah. what sets it up. Yeah. yeah. And then you see it. And what I feel about, you know, obviously bullet time was a new thing. And I feel like if you've got this technology, most films would build up to it yeah. and it would be your climax would be the bullet time. To friggin' kick off with it takes such balls. Yes. But- yeah, just an amazing way to open your film. It ties into the characters because a large part of Neil's quest, you're with you're him, you're the audience, but sort of in about 10 minutes when he's on his quest, you feel that you're being taken care of by people that are smarter than you, stronger than you, more capable than you because he hasn't got to do much to be on the quest. He's just got to keep being himself. So by starting with that shot, that's obviously the confidence of the film and the filmmakers that is like, we've got tons more of this shit, you don't need to worry. Mm-hmm. But also you, the audience, like these people are strong, are capable, are leaders lethal and the rest of it so you feel that when you're asked to accept that they will deliver on their promise you know that they will and what you might miss on a first watch as well is the first line when we're not seeing anything we're just hearing is is you like him you like watching him Mm. and because this is ultimately a a trilogy about this love story between neo and and trinity i love the fact it sets it up with that very first line yeah i agree and also you can you can sense from this moment that cypher might not be the good guy that uh Mm. That that he appears initially. Mm. Yeah, jealousy is an ugly thing. But yeah, it's um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're told when you're making a film that you've got ten minutes to convince the audience, uh, or they're out. Mm. Really, you've got ten minutes, uh, but that's normally done with script. Whereas here, I think they could do anything either side of that bullet time <laughs> shot, and you'd be like, "I'm fucking in. Yeah, I want to see more of that, please." Thankfully, what this movie does is deliver so much in these first 10 minutes. For example, we are told how 
badass Trinity is. And we're like, holy shit, she is. Look at what she did to those cops. And then within seconds, we're told, like, she's not so badass. She can handle an agent, though. When she goes, are there any agents? Mm. And Morpheus actually pauses and goes, yes. And you're like... So they are harder than what I've just seen, mm. which is great because the movie does so much work telling you agents are indestructible. You should fear them. So we get a roof chase. You mentioned this earlier. It was uh, it's in your book as well. Yes. So this the, the the reason that they kept costs down on this film it would have been a lot more expensive had they shot elsewhere in LA. Uh, they shot in Australia. And they borrowed sets from the film Dark City, <laughs> which came out the year before. Uh, so that rooftop sequence is the, the, they're the same rooftops that Rufus Sewell uh, runs over in Dark City. And there are other outside shots that are shared. I like this chase. And then I don't like this chase. I am going to highlight the few things that I don't like in this movie, because otherwise it's just going to be a hideous loving. But um I love the fact we get to see Agent Brown do that massive jump. And as I, I always believe, as we were talking about, they should have had more reaction shots in Tron. It's the fact that that cop goes, well, that's impossible <laughs> when the agent makes the jump. Love that. <laughs> I've always hated and I still hate on every watch Super Trinity flying through the air. I just think it looks a bit naff when she's got her arms out in front of her aiming for the window on the opposite building. Okay. I just don't think it looks very good. Okay. It's just me. It's just me. But I do forgive it because her landing down the stairs and pulling two guns out and going, <laughs> get up, Trinity. Get up. I'm like, no, I'm back. Back. <laughs> you lost me for 10 seconds, if that. So as I said, loads in this first 10 minutes. We discover phones are a way out. We know there's an informant. We know their next target is Neo, who we now meet. Keanu Reeves. Where was he at this point? So Speed had been huge in 94, then a string of duds. Uh, Johnny Mnemonic, uh, wrong, great film. Uh, Chain Reaction, unwatchable. Feeling Minnesota, never seen. But none of them did well, although he had had a hit just two years before this came out with a film that Kristen does not like him in, but Vicky does, The Devil's Advocate. I meant to ask, Chris, because you have a funny relationship with Keanu Reeves. You like him if he's playing someone stupid? Otherworldly. Otherworldly, sorry. Those were my words. Okay, fine. They could be stupidly otherworldly. (laughs) He's fine with that. No, but I think he works here because he's sort of, he can sometimes be quite blank or look quite confused. And that's kind of what's required of him here. Of course. Um, because I think it's good if the other characters in the film and the audience can't properly read him because it allows us to project onto him what we want and what the characters want. Is he the one? Isn't he the one? So I think I think he's ideal for this role. Yeah. Um, you actually mentioned a good point as related to Keanu Reeves and being sort of like, what's going on? Because how how many questions, what's the t- statistic of what his dialogue in the first third of this movie? Yeah, so in it, I think it's 44 questions in 80 lines of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> did you sit down and count all of those? I did, yeah. Wow, Kim. <laughs> I can't take the credit for the counting, I read it. <laughs> from a reliable source. In from your own book. We Love the Matrix by Kim Taylor Foster. Uh, so Troy and uh, my first baby's name Dujour turn up at his door (laughs) great name what a great name he's asleep though he's asleep when we first see him yeah he is so much symbology yeah Uh, his computer's been telling him to follow the white rabbit Uh, one of a lot of Alice in Wonderland references Uh, the book that you've been talking about Mm -hmm. you call me a dummy for not (laughs) realising only because we were 
at school doing it at the time together. I don't I think I was there. You... Well, fine, all right. But we we sat in the same room and went, oh, that's very interesting. And then you promptly forgot. Yeah, I missed a lot of lectures as well, as was proved with my grades. Uh, yes, simulacra and simulation is where he keeps his hacking discs. Yeah, call discs them. Mini discs. <laughs> I miss <Yeah>. mini discs. <laughs> it is also the book where they borrowed one of my favourite phrases from, which I didn't know and I'm a little bit angry about because I love this phrase, which is the desert of the real. That's actually from that book. Never mind. Uh, we're off to listen to some white zombie at the real life BDSM club in Sydney called the Hellfire Club. Uh, well, that's was shot, which is cool. Real extras. Well, I say real extras. Real club goers is the extras. Okay. Convincing. If, if you're not into sort of heavy industrial music, the future's quite grim. Yeah. Uh, not just here, but obviously in the sequels with Zion, and it's supposed to be this sort of paradise <laughs> no, looking no, no, thing. No, 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 no. No, we're not doing anything about the sequels because just, it just makes me feel a bit sick. Oh. <laughs> uh, the rave orgy. Yeah. Yeah. No it's thanks. Horrible. It's a, it's a club that you would walk in and immediately turn around and go, nope. Uh, let's go somewhere nice <laughs> anywhere pub, else please. and the sex scene with Neo and Trinity oh hold your head in your hands it is so upsetting it uh, ruins ruins it because in this movie Zion is like you hear about it in yeah. word form which is how it should have remained <laughs> agreed but you love the erotic sequence that Chris read out from Tron the, mm. the deleted scene oh. Talk- Wait till you see it. It's not even close to how Talk I described it. Talk to me. Talk me through the rave orgy in the Matrix Reloaded. Just describe it to me. Let's see if it works. Let's see if it is a one trick that you had. <laughs> I can't even remember it. Anything. I've blocked it out. Say rave orgy. I, don't, I guess the Wachowskis <laughs> thought we'd all be into that, but we just weren't. No, we weren't. Uh, although Trinity shows up and uh, tells Neo that, uh, oh, there's that nice bit where she, he goes... I thought you were a guy. She's like, most guys do. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, what is The Matrix? Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that the big marketing mm-hmm. plan for this movie? That was the question that they put everywhere, which is yeah, a great way of marketing that. a movie. Yeah. yeah. So we've met him as Neo. We now meet Keanu as Thomas Anderson at work, getting told off by his boss. In um, a scene from Fight Club, it feels like. A yeah. Little bit. <laughs> and, it, and there are a lot of similarities there. That's something we could have paired with this because it is sort of a, a story of a bloke being woken up from his slumber and coming to, to life for the first time. Mm. He is given by a courier the coolest phone in the world circa 1999. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I just got my first phone yeah. in 99. I think a lot of us had, and we had the bricks. And so, yeah, to see one that would click down like that, yeah. shitting hell. Yes. So exciting. <laughs> I don't know if it was even available in, two, in 1999. I think, I don't know if it came out then. It must have done. They must have used this to market it, but I didn't see one in the flesh until much later. And I remember getting still excited about it. Even now, if I see one, in fact, I'm going to get one. I'm just writing that down. Buy fucking cool phone. <laughs> you will look just like Neo. <laughs> uh, uh, we get the escape bit. As I said, I'm going to do a few of my dislikes. I don't like the amount. I don't mind like Neo talking to himself a bit. Mm. He talks to himself too much. You're talking about the scaffold bit. Yeah. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah. He's only there to fail, to explicitly fail a test mm. that's related to flying. That's all. It just doesn't make sense within the logic of the movie because he's like, he actually says, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. I'm nobody. It's like, no, mm. you're an illegal hacker, so it's actually not that much of a stretch for you to go, of course, the authorities have caught up with me. Mm. Yeah, true. Good point. Right then, on my good point, because that's rare, uh, let's take a break. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So, time to talk about Agent Smith. Again, like with Carrie and Moss, this was the first time I'd experienced Hugo Weaving in a movie and <laughs> fell in love because we get Weaving doing Weaving to 11. He's going to do it to 15 later in the movie, but right now I'll take this. <laughs> and you help your landlady take out her garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets me every time. So, what do you make of Agent Smith here? Thoughts? I love, I, I didn't notice it uh, the millions of other times I've watched it, but the best line where he's like, you know, obviously the duality of one of the, you're these two people, one of these lives has a future, the other doesn't, awesome script writing. But also he's like, you've committed every computer crime we have a law for. And it's like, that's two then, basically. <laughs> and one of them is don't hit someone with a computer. <laughs> so that made me laugh unintentionally, but obviously he's amazing in this scene. He's amazing in every single thing he does. Yeah. He's fantastic, uh, and he just gets better and better within this movie. Not a fan of some of the stuff in the sequels, but we'll get to that one day. Maybe never. So, uh, Neo gets picked up in a car by Morpheus's disciples, who are massively unfriendly. Um, I don't like a few things here. I don't like, and I've never liked, the fact that he gets bugged by a bug. <laughs> just... 
It's too much. It's too literal. It's like you. It, we think you're being tracked and it looks like a bug. Mm. You can't say you've been bugged and it be a bug. Okay. It's stupid. <laughs> he also shouldn't look down a road when Trinity goes, you've been down that road, Neo. And he goes, hmm? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that... Do you mean that road? <laughs> it's like, just don't have him looking down the road. It, we get it. Um, uh, switch here. When she jams a gun in his face and then Trinity says the gun is necessary for our protection from you. That makes no sense. It's just an excuse to have a gun in the scene. Sure. Why Why do they need protecting from him? He's got no control over the Matrix. He doesn't know anything at that point. But they, do they know that he's marked as the one? Yeah, they do. So I thought I read that as they are, they understand that he has the unlimited potential and he can do anything. And he doesn't know his potential, but he's a ticking bomb kind of thing. He could do anything. He just doesn't know it. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think it's a stretch. I think it's a little bit like, yeah, I'm not convinced. Okay. Um, but that's just me. Uh, do you know why uh, Switch calls him Copper Top? I know you do, Kim. Quiz. Because uh, there's a battery. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because nice. of Duracell battery. <laughs> They've even got a Duracell battery they in the do, film. Yeah. Morpheus, yeah, holds one up. Yeah. yeah. So uh, then we get that proper Terminator moment where the bug's red eye goes out in the rain. Uh, so Switch, a lot of interesting stuff uh, about Switch. Kim, do you want to handle this? Yeah, so Switch originally was um, conceived as, I forget which way around it was, a, a woman in the Matrix and a man outside, I think. Um uh, you know, and that obviously um, uh, conveys this idea that the Wachowskis at the time were questioning their own identities because uh, as trans people, although they were they they would say that they were closeted then. Um, and uh, but it, it got left out for one reason or another and she just became a woman. But mm. uh but I think they talk about that her outfit was meant to signify maybe that difference. Or people have interpreted the yeah. fact that she's the only one who's dressed in white mm. as the fact she's different in the Matrix. And to... she's called Switch. I mean, yes. yeah, it's 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 a real shame. I believe it was the studio that, that removed it. And I feel I just, it's just, it just seems a shame because it would work so well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Lily Wachowski said recently that was the original intention to have um, this uh, her be a woman in the Matrix, but a man in the real world. But the world wasn't quite ready, which sounds like a diplomatic way of saying it. It wasn't our decision yeah. to remove that. Right, let's meet Morpheus. Do you know? want to know what it is? The Matrix. That, to me, feels like a really definite question-answer situation. It doesn't feel like you should half ask what The Matrix is and certainly not leave out just how depressing the real world is. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, in in that he says, I can't tell you what it is. You have to see it for yourself. You can tell me what part of it is, like eating gruel forever. But I think that's tying in... Mouse's porn. I think that's tying in with Plato's story of the cave, though, because part of that story is you can't, you can't describe what's outside of this cave because yeah. when someone comes back, we don't believe you. Yes. You have to see it for yourself. So I think it's tying in with the, the philosophical story there. And okay. I think they're building up to building this um, this Zion and making it more of an attractive place to go. You know, red orgies. <laughs> this is like an estate agent going, imagine what you could do with this place. Though. You knock through that wall and honestly, Zion is going to be amazing. 
gruel? What gruel? And also, he's not there to convince, is he? He's pushing on an open door. The, uh, the thing I was always struck with with this film, and I watched this with Mark, who swears to God he's never seen it, which I found unbelievable. Oh, shit, I forgot about I this. I know, the whole way Did through, you watch it with him? Yeah. And? Do you know what he said to me? I bet he said it was shit. He said it was shit, <laughs> and then he said, if it was in French or silent, it would be better. And then I said, I'm leaving you. This he's, is too much now. I honestly think he's jumped the shark with that statement. He's bitten the cable. Yeah. When did you last watch a French language film, Mark, by the way? Oh, was it never? <laughs> was it when we were 19 years old? He's playing a character. He's yeah, playing a character. Yeah. With me. He doesn't even annoying. believe himself. He doesn't believe so that. So annoying. But anyway, yeah, the the film starts in a, if you were writing this, I think this is a really brave choice and the right choice and good. But say you've got the idea for the Matrix, what you would write Thomas Anderson as is a man that needed to be convinced it'd be like the Truman Show so he'd be walking through his everyday life and he'd see weird glitches and he'd see whatever we start and he's already being referred to wake up Neo so he's half there he's like halfway there Morpheus knows who he is he's halfway to finding his quest so Morpheus I assume only picks people no one takes the blue pill he's he's there he's pushing on open doors mm. so he doesn't need to be convinced he's not he's not like I'm in the business of telling you the truth and then you can choose it's just a fun charade basically Kim which pill would you take Oh, well, uh, definitely red. I would like to think I would be blue pill because it seems easier. But <laughs> I, if push came to shove, I'd take the red pill, yeah. What about you? Wait, wait quick question, sub-question. Knowing what you know about how the real world is, you'd still take the red pill? I would, you know, because, I, you know, I'd be more like mouse and think about, I'd have, I'd have memories of what tasty wheat tasted like mm. in the Matrix and, and I'd think about that as I was eating my gruel. Okay, Chris? Blue pill all the way. I want to, I want to be. Some, I'm with you, brother. Yeah. I want to be someone important like an actor, and I want to eat steak with that woman in red. Job done. It's a weird bit that though, because I think if I was Cipher going back into the Matrix, and I think he does it. Um, oh, we're going to get to it, but I think he does it because he doesn't want to remember because he does feel guilty. I think he feels proper guilt about betraying these people and betraying Morpheus. So that's why he doesn't want to remember. Because I think I'd want to remember how shit the real world was and now I'm this important actor. Oh, I see. I see. You know, I'd want to know to what make it is. sweeter. Yeah. 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 Blue or red? Red. Really? Yeah. I'm, and weirdly, uh, the thing about, like, I know some people get very upset about this. Like, um, the, oh, there was this huge article a while ago about there's um, you can basically prove that we're not in control of anything irrespective of the matrix or not like the way that your brain reacts to certain things is predestined pre-programmed by your genetics a million years down the line kind of thing mm. like from your ancestors and whatever so but I don't feel hung up on that I don't mind the fact that my choices are not my own weirdly it just doesn't bother me like if this is the tracks my life is on that's okay I'm alright with it I would still take the red pill because I want to know everything Greedy. Yes. <laughs> I'm not mad about the gruel, but, you know, I suppose no one's getting overweight off it, so that's one benefit, I guess. I don't know. I just don't think Morpheus does a very good job of advertising the Matrix. He's like, here, look, this is my team. This is APOC, Switch, Cypher. Look at them. Don't they seem happy? <laughs> no. Do you want to meet Dozer? <laughs> what, not really. Are they a band? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, just to clarify, we are talking about Red Pill in the Matrix, not what Red Pill became in the real world, no. which was adopted by the outright, I believe, as it's, a way of... It's just fascinating. But the reason I do know, I am not the first person to say this, it's it's caught fire because we all believe that we something is wrong somewhere. We've just got this weird feeling that we, you know, on the right, we're being lied to. And on the left, it's like the world doesn't seem quite right. Like the way that they hit both uh, halves 
is later on when Agent Smith is saying, you know, human beings, we use all the resources and then we move on like a virus does. And I think if you're on the left, you're like, God, that does make perfect sense. Like we are, we're awful. (laughs) We can't stop. We can't help ourselves. This rampant consumerism and all the rest of it. It doesn't seem like the way the world should run. So that is such a, it's a loaded thing to say, but it can be co-opted by the left and by the right, which mm. is why it's so potent. It was co-opted by the right a lot. Though. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It, was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it also involves one of my favourite quotes in the history of film directors uh, using social media, which is when Elon Musk in May 2020 tweeted, take the red pill, and Ivanka Trump replied, taken. And Lily Wachowski responded to both of them, Fuck both of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Oh, I love that. Good use of social media. Uh, so they free Neo from the bath of Ghostbusters 2 slime. Uh, <laughs> I remember, I don't know whether it, it was for everyone, but for me, certainly, this moment, seeing this and him waking up, I, I try and recapture what that was, like you were saying at the start, because I, I just try and tap into what those memories were, and I can't because I've just seen it so many times. But just there was an iota of me going, this fucked it blew your mind. Yeah, the scale of it. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. When he looks around and sees all those He sees six billion thousand, people. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's all Jeff Darrow, as Kim said. Mm. You, you look at some of his drawings and they're... If anything, even more insane than what you see in the film. It's but. not. There's so much horror in this film. It's a science mm. fiction and known primarily, well, exclusively for that. But there's a yeah. Lot we of didn't. Horror. We didn't mention his mouth closing up. But there's body mm. horror all the way yeah. through. With the baby plugged into the thing later mm-hmm. as well. Oh, sexy. <laughs> and so he's flushed away and picked up by a well placed claw from the Nebuchadnezzar to maintain Keanu's dignity. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's, it's funny. <laughs> Did you pause it as he falls? I mean, you're like, oh, look, he's been born again. He's into the light. And you're like, oh, God, that's his bomb. Yeah. Where's that claw? Oh, well placed. Yeah. Well placed. Be careful with that claw. Covering the K-crack. <laughs> so his muscles have atrophied. I don't want to dwell on this too much, but it is interesting. Like, could he move at all? Like, when he sort of goes, sits up in the pod. Mm, and he flails around a little bit, doesn't he? Because there's, there's a lot of interesting conversation about the fact that if you are moving in the Matrix and this idea of what you do in the Matrix has an effect on your body in the real world and you are someone who perhaps exercises a lot, then you are going to be building muscles in the pod even though you're not moving. Yeah, I mean, there's questions about babies if you're pregnant in the real world is that you getting pregnant in the matrix yeah. and what have you it's it's a bit messy yes literally and metaphorically <laughs> <laughs> so we find out a lot of information now big info dump but done with such sexy visuals you don't even notice so the matrix has told everyone it's 1999 the real age of the planet is approximately according to morpheus 21 it's interesting that isn't it they, so they decide so it's, they've decided that 1999 is the best year yeah effectively mm. or, or, or that year. time yeah. yeah that's when we're the least likely to revolt yeah but isn't it just because that's when the movie was coming out yes so it just sort of ties it into says, like it's now this is now yeah but what a great year <laughs> to be fair <laughs> one of my one of my best yeah. I was one of my best. No, I was, I was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> what have I said? Let other people say it. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, so uh, it fascinates me a little bit. Uh, the Matrix, uh, the um, the inscription on the core of the ship says it was built in 2069. Uh, any notes on that, Kim? Because or is this going a bit too niche? Yeah, no, no notes on that. 
Move along. Come on. All right, All right cool. <laughs> uh, apparently the Bible verse, uh, though, or it, it relates to a Bible verse where it says Mark 3, number 11, is uh, a chapter in the Bible. And whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God, which is Neo's path to his Jesus story. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, when those guys pick him up to go to the club, they call him their saviour yeah. and their own personal Jesus Christ. It's quite on the nose. It is a bit. <laughs> is it as on the nose as him adopting the crucifixion pose in Revolutions? It's one of the few things I remember and going, yeah. I am done with this franchise. <laughs> so uh, they go into the construct. Uh, we find out that you have a mental projection of your digital self. And Neo is still asking questions. This isn't real. What is real, says Morpheus? How do you define real? And then we get the desert of the real, which uh, looks cool. Uh, we find out the machines won the war. We scorch the sky because we're idiots. <laughs> uh, but that image of the machines farming the humans in the field, sucking up the pods. Hmm. So good. Uh, Keanu's face acting, Victoria. What do you make of it when it comes back out of the TV and he's standing with his arm on the armchair and he's like, Oh, no. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not. It's, I mean, it's perfect for the film. Like we said, he needs to be a blank canvas. Otherwise, if he was smart in any way, no disrespect, Neo, he would. Everyone's smart, so it's no good. So I wouldn't say it's. I mean, it's weird. It's not great face acting, and yet it's perfect face acting. It's Keanu's face acting, which works for Keanu. Sure, I love it. Uh, Morpheus then gives him a bedside chat after he throws up about the man born inside the Matrix who was the one. Time for some training, though. Back to the action. And we meet Tank, uh, played by Marcus Chong, who's not in the sequels. And I will admit to going down a fucking massive Marcus Chong rabbit hole. Did anyone else do this? Kim, have you been down this rabbit hole? I have been down this rabbit hole. Did you watch the documentary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can remember. I can remember him causing a bit of trouble and Holly. losing his. Wasn't well, he Tommy Chong's son? His adopted son. Yeah, right. I don't know anything about this. Uh, I'll keep it brief. Uh, he basically uh, the the public line is he asked for too much money sure. for the sequels, yeah. and they said no mm -hmm. and got rid of him and replaced him with Link in Revolutions and Reloaded. Uh, he is not a happy man about this and. Um, produced a self-authored documentary Ooh, in which oh, you wow. see him calling up um, at the time one of oh, the Wachowski's no. wives and going, I'm, you know, you sent a hitman round an assassin to kill me. And I'm going, you know, I'm not fucking done oh, with this. No. And she's like, you need to stop calling. You just asked for too much money. <laughs> Everyone's moved on. He's like, I haven't moved on. You're like, no fucking kidding you haven't, Marcus. <laughs> it's, it's a difficult watch. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah. I've heard enough. So that's that's where I was for an hour last night. It's a long documentary. Uh, anyway, uh, you can find it on YouTube if you would like to follow that. It's hashtag MatrixGate is what you need to type in. <laughs> anyway, he's fucking great in this, so it's a shame he's gone. Um, he tells us about Zion, uh, which is, as I said earlier, how Zion should remain in word form. Just remember the good times. So we get Neo fighting Morpheus in a sparring programme. What do you make of this? Pretty cool. It's cool, very cool. The Bruce Lee references mm. with the nose flick. Mm. Um, uh, 
uh, bit of wire work. Um, yeah, you know, you, you and you, you've got the rest of the team watching, haven't you, on the screen? And they're like, "What the fuck? This is awesome!" Mm. Which I love. It is again reactions to cool stuff happening, and Mouse gets very excited because he's like, "Oh my god, they're fighting!" Uh, you said earlier that you really like Mouse. I really like Mouse as well. Yeah, and that's when he dies. Like it really gets you. He's Me this too. minor character, and yeah. uh, he's quite important in. Um, in terms of uh, what he sets up for the future of the franchise, because he he accepts and acknowledges in this film that they to 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 win this, they need to find a way to balance right machines with mm. humans. Yeah. Yeah, which I think you talk about in your book is like that is the conclusion he is talking about the way this series is going to end right now in this first film. Yeah. A truce. Uh, weirdly, Mouse isn't uh, the stupidest character name he's ever played. He was in Attack of the Clones as a death stick dealer playing Elan Slees Bagano. Mm. <laughs> nice. Yeah, not, not George Lucas's finest hour. <laughs> None of that was actually. No, no. Um, a quick mention of Rob D. Club to Death because I too had the soundtrack and that was the first time I heard that song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. That whole soundtrack is great. I know, but it's weird. I don't look, I'm not into like, not even like new metal, but just. Just that soundtrack in particular, I would go to that club. I would be scared to death, but I would do all of that. I hate the new metal in this film, but Club to Death is incredible. It's yeah. just so perfect. Like It just captures everything about it's this The metallic film. kind of machine yeah. sound yeah, in it. The screechy bit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Neo gets injured when he fails the jump and he's like, I thought this wasn't real. And Morpheus, because he's a shit, goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By Sorry the way, that, yeah. <laughs> your mind makes it real. So wait, if you die in the Matrix, you die here? Mm-hmm. Tell me that up front. Again, <laughs> stop drip feeding me massive, massive information that will end up with me dying. All right, fine, cool. <laughs> well, there you go. Told you now. But there's some great foreshadowing here where Morpheus tells him uh, about being able to control the Matrix and Neo says, you're trying to tell me I can dodge bullets? And Morpheus goes, no, I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready... You won't have to, which is basically foreshadowing not just the roof scene, but also then the end scene where he just goes, no. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> yeah, and bear in mind, Morpheus is revealing the, the big truth. Mm. And a lot of the time you can see Neo in a reflection in Morpheus's sunglasses. So not only if you're not concentrating, you can sometimes think it's Trinity because obviously they are more or less identical but the reflections, the shadows in the cave, the Plato's theory and all of that is right. You're being told, look beyond the reflection and you will find the truth. Mm. We see our squiddies for the first time and we know the squiddies are a real threat to life in the real world and indeed the Nebuchadnezzar. And we know that because when they turn up, Morpheus puts on his serious hat. <laughs> <laughs> He's on about hats again. <laughs> It's just such a weird shot. Suddenly, Morpheus goes, Squiddies, let me put this on. <laughs> and he puts on this hat. And I just, I just can't believe in a movie that has significance in every frame, I can't find anything on this hat. <laughs> There's like, he never wears it again. I mean, I think Lawrence Fish, but I think the only thing I can think is because it's a black beret and I th it's identical to his character's black beret in Apocalypse Now and I think it might be a little nod to that oh, and that's okay. all I got okay. and that's perfect that works perfectly in The Matrix so I love it thank you also thank you. Squid Hat Squid Game maybe there's something in that it could be <laughs>
Uh, now, Neo uh, finds Cypher, who <laughs> manages to look as suspicious as possible <laughs> while having a drink of alcohol that's good for cleaning engines and killing brain cells. I would. Perfect. It's all there is. I'd be like, if this is all there is, that's fine. No mixer, no problem. But yeah, he doesn't disguise his sort of intentions. Why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty open. Uh, so he was actually setting himself up to go into the Matrix and meet with Smith. Um, again, a little bit of a plot hole here. I, you know, it's not the biggest ship, the Nebuchadnezzar. You're going into the Matrix. I'm pretty sure it keeps a record of where you've been. Or, and also people are going to go, hey, look. The cipher there plugged in. I wonder where. Oh my God, he's talking to an agent. <laughs> so, fine. Let's put that to one side. What do you think of Cypher's decision to do the dirty on the crew because he desperately wants to go back in? Are we sympathetic? Is he a villain? I think you're sympathetic. I certainly am. I'm, I'm very much with Cypher. Well, yes and no. I mean, we've just discussed the blue pill. So, I think we know where we all stand. But I'm not on his side because I wouldn't do what he's doing. I would take the blue pill given the choice, but I wouldn't kill my friends to take it. Yeah. So, he very much, though, feels. Hard done by. He feels like he was tricked, as you've mm. been saying about mm. Morpheus not telling the whole story. He says, "You know, this isn't freedom. I do whatever he says." Mm. Yeah, he yes. does justify it. I think. Yeah, exactly. He's the real hero. So we're off to see the Oracle. Um, Neo and Morpheus arrive at the Oracle's flat, where her assistant says, uh, "Make yourself at home, Morpheus, in literally a square meter of hallway." I, mean, I don't <laughs> think it is possible to make yourself at home in that small space. So he just sits on a stool. Night of the Lepus is on the TV. Is that just a white rabbit reference again? Because they're rabbits, even though they're not white. Yeah, that's well, that's as far as I understand it. Right. Okay. Uh, we meet. <laughs> I didn't know that was on the telly. Oh. I really want to do that. I want to do that too. <laughs> it's mental. Killer rabbit. It's, Brilliant. Yeah. That's it's, what we do with Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko one. Yep. That's good. Oh, actually, no. Uh, no. But actually, no. Uh, we meet Spoon Boy, as his character is actually called. Um... Do not try and bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, only... Tr- Don't talk to me like that, kid. It's patronising. Did the Wachowskis know they could recast that and reshoot that? They didn't actually have to use that take? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Sorry, kid. <laughs> he's, he's gone on to some success. He's in a, a Catherine Parkinson a comedy series in Australia at the moment. So, fine. Spoonboy went on to bigger things. So... I want to talk about this Oracle chat. This is, I've never noticed this before. And it only comes to when we do the show, uh, movies on the pod, that you suddenly realise things. Like the Oracle, the conversation is, she says to Neo, no one can tell you that you're the one. You just know it yourself. Then there's a little bit of other stuff. And she does the examination. And you think she's going to tell him you're not the one. And that's what he needs to hear. But she never does that. Oh, I know. I'm, I'd never noticed this before. She goes, and then you say, and mm-hmm. he goes, I'm not the one. Mm-hmm. So she never actually says it to him. Yeah. I'm so good. I didn't <laughs> notice that. <laughs> and so she really never does tell him. She just tells him, you know. What he needed to hear. Exactly. Exactly. I just love the fact it's her, it, what he needed to I love it. And also that she gives your, she gives a voice, an overt voice. Which means that you like, oh, the, the Wachowskis think this and I think this. So she's saying it, so it's fine. Which is like, oh, you're cute, but you're not too bright. Mm. And it's like, well, that's brilliant because I thought that. <laughs> Am I allowed to think that? Because he's the hero. But this Wachowski saying it's absolutely fine. He isn't too bright and it's absolutely fine to think that. And that's mm. good. Wow. Yeah. Well, you just said baked my noodle. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just mentioned noodles. Anyway. 
So let's kill off some of this cast. Uh, we get a glitch in the Matrix, which has all for forevermore replaced Deja Vu for me in real yeah, life. Yeah. I never say Deja Vu anymore. I go, glitch in the Matrix. Good. Good writing. Um, uh, we get the shot inside the walls where they're climbing down the centre of the screen. It's so sexy. It looks so sexy. Reminds me of Bound, unsurprisingly. Cypher coughs on purpose or not. Never sure here. I think on, on purpose. purpose. Right. Yeah. It fits with his character, but he does just get a face full of dust. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, question. Um, Dem. We get to further up the ante of the power of the agents because we've never seen this before. They can steal other people's bodies. Pretty cool. Uh, and then Cypher goes back, kills Dozer, kills Apoc, and kills Switch in a really nasty way. Yeah. Well, she the word she uses, not like this, mm. not like this. Well, it's quite a peaceful way to go, but yeah, there's no dignity in it. No, exactly. So uh, we get the death of Cypher. Believe it or not, you piece of shit, you're still going to burn. Then if you liked Hugo Weaving interrogating Mr. Anderson at the start, we get Maximum Weaving. <laughs> maximum Weaving as he goes to town on Morpheus. I hate this place. This zoo, this prison, this reality, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell, if there even is such a thing. I feel saturated by it. And then he shoves Morpheus's head sweat up Morpheus's <laughs> nose. It's like, what a button to that seat. So, so this is Smith developing human traits, isn't it? Well, I think These th that's feed why it feels so scary because he is such a, he's such a good actor at being a computer program. And then you're like, oh shit, the computer programs have human mm. likes and dislikes and they have desires because he's a computer program and he's saying, I would rather be at home, is what he's saying. So you think, so it blows your mind. You're like, you have malice, you have intent, and yet you are a program. But it's, it's the, the job of Hugo Weaving is so good to make you, he inhabits both, a, basically, for want of a better word, a robot as well as a human being. Yeah, but I don't think any of the others do. It's just yeah, him yeah. who's developing this trait, isn't it? Because he's going he's gonna to go rogue. But it's interesting. He's developing human traits as Neo's going the other way. And so that's what's interesting here is yeah. that it's almost like they're eventually going to merge. And actually, they do. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's something you talk about in your book as well. It's sort of, it is sympathy. If not total sympathy, then the, the smatterings of sympathy for the first time for Agent Smith because he is trapped as well. Yep, uh, absolutely. I, I think uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you do talk about his speech about mammals, which I love. Yes. Well, he, compa he, he says that we, we are not mammals, mm. human beings. We are a virus, a disease. Uh, we, plague. Yeah, mm. plague. <laughs> whereas mammals kind of are symbiotic with their environment, um, viruses take over, use up all the resources and... Uh, Move on. A cancer, he calls us as mm. well. That's mm. another word. Great so, speech. Yeah. It is a great speech. And also when he's talking about the first Matrix was perfect and we didn't like it. Mm. Yes. Because oh, that's you right. think about this, I think about this all the time, especially like, you know, you think about the trials and tribulations of your life and you're like, why would they do that? Why would we be able to feel grief and pain, physical pain, but all like mental pain and, and all the rest of it? And he's like, because that's that's what that's what you want. Like yeah. you We can't define do... our reality through suffering. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think we find out in one of the sequels, this is the sixth Matrix mm. that yeah. they've tried. Yes. And I was going to say about the Spoon Boy scene, there, in that scene... 
He holds up the twisted spoon, which is representative mm. of Neo, but there are six spoons in front of him. Mm. Yeah, it's not six ah. Matrix as they've tried, though, is it? It's it's six versions of the one that have tried to break free because this was only the second Matrix. They did the first one, which was Paradise, and right. because we all define ourselves, like Vicky said, through misery, which is horrible. When Because I, I was sitting like with mounds of work to do, and I sort of I heard him say that, and I was mm. like, oh, my God. It is a weird thing. Like, if paradise is sort of having nothing to do, free time, yeah, and suddenly that didn't work for us, are we constantly sort of like, it's like this sort of meaningless stuff that we give ourselves to do to on a against. daily basis yeah. to sort of, like, that is what defines us. I do. I mean, I feel like, I think, you know, the... the the nice way of putting it is that it's hard to experience what is what is pleasure, what is happiness, the highs, if you don't know what it is on the other side. Mm. So people that have no struggles, not that there is such a thing, but you know what I mean. People have it easier than others can't experience the sort of the sweetness of the victories and love and everything else because they don't know what it's like to go without. But it is, a, it is, yeah, but it is a little bit depressing. Yeah, that's, why, that's like that. why I'm taking the blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that shit. Give me the good stuff. But you get it in. <laughs> 24-7. Guns. Lots of guns. That used to be one of my favourite moments, isn't it, anymore, weirdly? Yeah, Uh, you've just seen it too many times. The first time you saw it, you laughed your head off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Right then, we're into the final scenes. Uh, The lobby scene. Oh, More cartwheels than I remembered. Good cartwheels. A lot of cartwheels. Do you remember uh, when I got my first surround sound system and I made everyone come into my bedroom in Newcross and listen to this scene, particularly <laughs> this scene? I played this scene on my surround sound system with all the wires hanging around the room. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... But then typically you were like, right now, get out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but stay a bit longer. Listen to the shell casings falling behind us. They are falling behind us. So exciting. Now, does it matter? Are there lots of innocent people being killed here? It feels yes. like Yes. It. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem to matter we're doing this for the greater good but it's it's but would you want it any other way though because if they did it it would (laughs) it's me because I want a body count in a movie but when Arnie in the because this is comparable I think to the T2 Cyberdyne systems attack and the bit where Arnie goes no casualties I'm like they were fucking attacking these guys it's all right to have some casualties whereas here if they'd sort of used stun bullets or or anything you'd be like absolutely not I want to see some death yeah I guess. I don't know. It just feels like, you know, even if their lives are meaningless because they're in the Matrix, they've still got people that would miss them and it just feels like spreading more misery kind of thing. Yeah. Someone recreated this scene on the internet with peanuts. (laughs) (laughs) As in peanuts playing the characters or firing peanuts? Playing the characters. (laughs) Good question. I didn't think of that. (laughs) I immediately just thought of peanuts with faces. How many peanuts died? Oh, too many. I've uh, erased it from my memory. (laughs) Sad times. They used a lot of shells to kill them. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Chris is nodding. That'll do. Always working. (laughs) So, uh, Propellerheads play. Amazing. Great soundtrack. Have we mentioned that? So, uh, the tiniest little bit that I love in this scene is where Trinity returns to Neo's side to pick up the bag. She skids with her feet like she's had fun. She slides <laughs> yeah, across the right. floor. It's yeah. just a lovely little touch. So, we're onto the roof because if the lobby was not good enough for you, the roof scene is the best. Uh, we see a, an agent dodge bullets and then we see Neo dodge bullets and our minds are blown and then 
we're into rescuing Morpheus, the helicopter comes, then the helicopter flies over the building after they've rescued Morpheus. And Neo's like, I've told this story so many times on this show. Trinity <laughs> goes over the edge and it makes me cry every time. I know it <laughs> it's amazing watching the behind the scenes of this one, though. The fact that they never went outdoors once and that whole cityscape is just a frigging the hugest painting you could imagine. Right. And they shot it all against that. Is there not? A, there is a there is a helicopter, though, that they really shot with a two The helicopter is, is in the studio in front of this picture. Oh. Because there are two helicopters. There's one that is on a, a massive mechanical arm, but there's clearly a real helicopter in it, which I think has got two stuntmen hanging below it at one point yeah okay fine good good i'm just checking um so off to the subway station and we're into the final bit now it was it's depressing watching the behind the scenes of that subway station stuff that was they call that the dark days of the shoot why because just stuff went wrong um chad stahelski just completely destroyed his body he got he got Several injuries, including broken ribs, knees, and a dislocated shoulder yeah. from the slam that he does into the roof. Yeah. Because he's Neo's stunt double. Which when... is in the film. Yeah. He nearly died. And then another stunt man going into like um, a little uh, sort of um, cigarette store. He very nearly died. Mm. And so it's very somber, those behind the scenes footage, because they just said they just spent so long in there and it just it was just going so badly wrong. They were worried they weren't going to have a movie. Well, in terms of the movie, an odd decision at this point because the phone's ringing, they get Morpheus out <laughs> and then the phone's ringing again and Trinity goes, I want to talk to you about something. Yeah, my notes, is because this is your thing where you're like, not now. <laughs> not now, love. <laughs> not really, now, love. But it, it really is. She says, <laughs> I want to tell you something. It's such a classic moment for that. You've got to prioritise. Can it wait? Because <laughs> it's, not, it's not just that like it, we feel that. Neo looks yeah. at the phone <laughs> and looks back at her as if to say, you're fucking kidding yeah. me. She's like, are you looking at that phone? I'm trying to tell you I love you. You're looking at the fucking phone. Let's get to safety and then yeah. we can do Please. all the... Lo- oh, look, talk. you've gone and I'm still fucking here <laughs> and there's an agent. Well done, love. <laughs> it is ridiculous uh, that she picks them to do it. So, big chase. We get the prisoner on the TV as they run through a room, uh, which is a reference. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, there's also a, a, I didn't know what it was. I've always wondered about the line. I did some digging. Mr. Wizard, get me the hell out of here. Strange reference to a 60s cartoon called Tutor Turtle. Right. That's his line. So, uh, Neo gets killed and he gets killed. And the shot choice is so cool where you don't see the gun fire. You just see mm. the flash of the muzzle illuminate Neo's face and you just your heart stops. And then we get the kiss, uh, which brings him back to life by Trinity in the real world. Tell me about this love thing, because I was always a little bit, ugh, love brings him back to life. Well, I, you know, I'll try and keep it short, but love is really important in this film and to the whole trilogy. Um, and And if you look at Trinity's called Trinity for a reason, um, and and Neo needs to become three, needs to become a trinity in order to fulfil the prophecy. And there are two two parts he already has, which is Thomas Anderson and Neo. His third part is Trinity. And at the moment that that he lets love in, and she professes her love, that's when he becomes one, Neo, and fulfils his destiny. So. At this point, is something different happening to the previous six, the ones who've been f- tried and failed to 
solve the situation of the Matrix. Yes, this whole love thing. Okay. Um, when in the next film, you know, he makes different decisions that the other. So the previous ones we could maybe suggest have never had the love of Trinity and that's why they failed. Yeah, I think so. We okay. don't know for sure, but mm. yeah. Okay. That's a nice, that is a more romantic interpretation than what I've thought for years, Go on. which is he is revived by a true love's kiss. I get all of that. But because he's special, he's dead in this moment and she kisses him so he can feel that on his face. So he realises that the bullets in the Matrix are bullshit because he's made the bridge between the Matrix. When you're plugged in, you shouldn't be able to feel anything when you're on the spaceship. But he can feel it because he's special. So in my head, I was like, didn't need to be a kiss. Just needs to feel something. But a PG version is you get a kiss on the lips. And then you're like, oh, I'm special. Great. So I'm not dead. As opposed to what, a slap around the face? Not a slap around the face, just something else. Just something a bit more <laughs> invigorating, shall we say. So while someone is unconscious... <laughs> to prove that they are special. <laughs> She's changed her tune this week. No. So unconscious, like, Neo is lying out... Yeah, and out she, cold, yeah. She's going to pull his fly down and go... <laughs> Maybe, yeah, just something he's just, you You are still here. <laughs> There's no time for that. Just just something. Flick but... it. <laughs> Wake the fuck up. up. <laughs> yeah, fine. Flick cool. it. Great. Cool. But then I thought, well, this is ultimately, a, it's not a family film, but it's not that sort of film. So yeah, kisses. What is that sort of movie <laughs> you're talking about? <laughs> Jesus. You know, I just have thought that for years. I was like, she, because she's so almost on top of him. And I thought, yeah. well, that would work. You all, but I mean. Of course, of course, of course. Consent helps, but there you go. Yeah, uh, I guess. I mean, different times, Alex. Come on. <laughs> not that different. Not that long ago. We normally reserve that for pre-1990, but oh, fair true. enough. Yeah. Uh uh, so uh, we get the death of uh, Agent Smith. Uh, he can't, bl- he can't bloody believe it. And Hugo Weaving's great because he can't believe it. he's like, "What is going on? I should be <laughs> able to hit you." Uh, the bullets being stopped in the air, um, and then we get Rage Against the Machine. Wake up and Neo's big speech. And I swear to God, until I watched this, probably about ten years after this, I did not see the first time I watched it. Neo flying towards the camera. Completely missed that. Okay. So I just thought it ended with him talking on the phone, yeah. which is still good. Yeah, but. There you go. But again, when we've been mentioning about the why, the, you know, why the politics and the philosophy it like hit so hard for everyone, the sign-off where we'll make a world where anything is possible appeals to everybody. Like you can think that on the right and be like, I want to remake the world, and on the left you can be like, this isn't quite working. Let's remake. Like another world is possible is a a call to action for the left. Mm. Uh, it was loved by a lot of people. The Godfather of Cyberpunk, William Gibson, called it a. F- innocent delight that I hadn't felt in a long time. Neo is my favourite ever science fiction hero. Uh, Joss Whedon, who I like this quote from Joss Whedon, he calls it my number one, but he says it works on whatever level you want to bring to it. Yeah. Which I think hits the nail on the head in terms of there are people who watch this for the waifu and the gunfu and the bullet time and just overwhelm the spectacle of it all. And there are people, uh, you know, who love to talk about, you know, the philosophy. So it works for both. Um, it spawned two sequels, uh, neither of which were great. Although I do, in hindsight, I was so disappointed when I watched Reloaded, but I've rewatched it numerous times. And actually, Reloaded's not bad. Revolutions is unwatchable. Thoughts? I've seen them both, but I just blanked them out. I've seen them both once. I was just like, no, thank you. I like both because they they 
they further the story, they deepen the themes, that it gives me something new as someone who does like the philosophy side mm. of it. So. Well, can I ask quickly, what do you think, I, I, just because mainly I can't remember, but also I don't think I ever really understood, what happens at the end of Revolutions? Because they make a truce with the machines, but what happens then? Is everyone freed from the Matrix to live in that god-awful reality, or are people still in the Matrix, but the Matrix is nicer? I mean, I mean, well, pres- presumably they've been allowed to choose whether they want to be in the Matrix or outside it, and... Um... Uh, but I wondered about the old people because they they wouldn't be given the choice because Mil- Morpheus said you can't um, mm, you can't, can't pull the old people out of the matrix because it would mess with their brains. Well, you're about to find out as well because we get <laughs> yes. Uh, are you excited about Matrix Resurrections? I am. I'm cautiously optimistic. Cautiously, why? I think it. I mean, I'm again. I'm yeah. a, I'm a trailer junkie, so I watch a trailer, and if I get goosebumps, yeah. I go, "Well, that movie is going to be amazing." And yeah. regularly, I'm disappointed. But it that does... trailer is amazing. I think that movie's going to be amazing. <laughs> it does look amazing, yeah. Uh, but you know, it's scary. It's been tw- it's been twenty years, more or less. Um, you know, it's it's a bit scary. Yeah, I'm going to spoil it. I've got no reason to think it's going to be any good. And I think it's a shame there's only one Wachowski doing it. I think it's a shame uh, Lawrence Fishburne isn't in it. And so, yes, I'm the opposite to you, Alex. Yeah, okay. Well, I think it's exciting. Lana Wachowski is uh, the one doing it. Uh, 20 years after the events of revolutions, Neo lives a seemingly ordinary life as Thomas A. Anderson in San Francisco. He keeps taking blue pills from his therapist. Trinity doesn't recognise him. However, he takes a red pill, which reopens his mind to the world of the Matrix. It sounds a bit like a remake. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited. Right then. That is us done on The Matrix, apart from the bits. Best scene, Victoria. So obviously there's tons of competition. So I'm just going to pick... Well, I'm just going to pick the one I like the best, which is going to see the Oracle. So it's not any of the action stuff. I think that... The lightness of touch is needed and it does do, you know, they, there is a lot of comedy. There's a lot more comedy coming up. There's more. There's some comedy in the lobby when you need it. But for something that could take itself so seriously, the way that the Oracle is with him and also just for, you know, in terms of the characterization, just for messing with you just enough, when he says, I'm not the one, the first time you watch it, you're like, oh shit, you're not then. Then mm. that's played, that, that's so important to the plot that the way they choose to do that is perfect at that point in the story. Yeah, like I said, I love that. I can't believe I'd never seen it before. It's great. Best scene, Kim? My favourite scene is the interrogation scene uh, because, first of all, it zooms in on on these three screens. Uh, the screens foreshadow the architect screens in the next film. So all this foreshadowing that's, that's through it, you know, you see it here uh, and plants the idea that he's being watched. But mainly what I love about it is that it introduces the body horror aspect of it and it's what always stayed with me this uh, sequence from the film the first time I saw it with the the sealed mouth and uh, the bug into in through his navel and when it comes out again later it's like he's giving birth I think Switch even says oh you're going to lose it uh, as, as Trinity <laughs> yeah. is, is oh, yeah. delivering it um, so yeah that's that's why Chris so I said I can't remember specifically seeing it but I can remember the way it made me feel and I feel like the last half hour, it it ramps up and it amps up and it keeps going until it reaches that moment when he stops those bullets. And I nearly did a bit of wee. Mm. I was almost hysterical watching that scene with excitement and joy. And so it has to be that for me. It builds to the perfect crescendo. Mine is a moment that brings tears to my eyes every time I watch it because it is 
a little bit like your bit, but it happens earlier. It's a culmination of a few things. It's Neo dodging bullets for the first time, but then you see him get hit and he goes down and the agent stands over him. And it's four words in quick succession that just make me like weep with joy every time it happens. And the shot, which is the agent going, only human. And Trinity going, dodge this. And I'm just like, uh, I go every time. It's just that shot of when she shoots the agent. And I was just, oh, so good. That moment is the Matrix for me. MVW, Chris. I nearly said Club to Death, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. um, it's I, a good song, but I, it's, it's not. I, feel, it cannot, I won't let it. I feel like someone around the table is going to say the Wachowskis. So I'm going to go for you and Woping. Um, because I saw, I think, Lana Wachowski saying that the most important special effect in this whole film was having Hollywood stars do the stunts themselves. It had never really been done before. You know, you had martial artists come in and become movie stars, but you didn't have recognised actors doing it themselves. Uh, before you would have stuntman, now you have stuntmen and we can put the actors' faces on their faces. So we probably won't see that again. But the work he did with those actors to pull off this action, I think he deserves a shout. Lovely. Kim? Uh, mine is uh, Trinity because um, I think she's the most important. She's a tritagonist in this film and I think she's the most important tritagonist I've ever seen on screen. Um, she's progressively characterised as a woman. Uh, this was in a year that American Pie came out and American Beauty, which delighted in objectifying women. And she was you know, strong, but not this idea of a, a man's idea of a strong woman. She was a woman's woman and she was still, she could still be feminine and fall in love and all of those things as well as kick butt. Yeah. Love it. She and could kick. And try, try tagging is my favourite kind of dinosaur <laughs> as well. <laughs> I've good. never heard that word before. I've learned <laughs> well, something today. Victoria. Uh, John Gator for visual effects for the bullet time. Just because... Everyone's really brilliant in this. All the actors are very good and everyone working on it is amazing. And so it's really hard to choose. But if you like, you know, I haven't watched it for years, but the thing that blew my head off in with strong competition, it was the bullet time. So and in 10 years, you'll be like, you'll think Matrix, you'll think of that. So for that. Cool. So you were wrong, Chris. No one's picking the Wachowski. I know. It feels a bit weird, doesn't they it? Didn't, they, did, they didn't have much to do with this. It's fine. Because <laughs> mine's Keanu Reeves. Um, okay. I genuinely, I can, if I try really hard, imagine other roles being played by other people, uh, but I cannot imagine anyone but Keanu Reeves playing Neo. And I think it is a little bit of what Chris says. He plays otherworldly characters very well slash a little bit silly and odd and a bit stupid I just remember at the MTV Awards before The Matrix came out he took the stage to present the award and he was there to promote The Matrix but he just sort of went into so much detail about a film no one knew anything about he's like yeah and I'm filming The Matrix right now and we have this villain his name's Agent Smith and you're like this is already too much detail <laughs> no one cares that he's called Agent Smith and you, it's just I was like then you watch The Matrix and you're like yeah that's Neo that's, <laughs> that's him plus if we didn't have him in this we wouldn't have got John Wick and I need John Wick in my life more than anything else but think about this what if we had Wiki, wiki, what is the Matrix? Wiki, wiki, what is the Matrix? <laughs> that could have been a rap. That's true. Think about it. What so, could have been? <laughs> Sorry, that was shit. <laughs> Awful. Awful. I actually quite like that song. <laughs> it's all right. What, the one Chris just sang? But no. <laughs> the, the, uh, the IP. <laughs> uh, okay, finally, change. Um, I'll do mine first. Um, 
It's a line you mentioned, Chris, which mm-hmm. I just, I don't like it. And it's weird because I guess there is an argument for the fact that there isn't a whole lot of humour in this film. There are bits, but there isn't a whole lot of sort of scripted humour. There's reactions that are kind of funny, reacting to crazy stuff that you're seeing, like Keanu looking at the jump for the first time and going, whoa. And you're like, okay, it's cool. It's Cypher going, I'd like to come back as somebody mm. important. Like an actor. Yeah, takes out the movie. You're right. Totally took me out of the movie. Yeah. And oh, I was like, it's I've, too knowing. Do you not think it just made him seem like a weasel? And that was what the, what it needed because he thought an actor is a powerful person. But you can't have an actor saying that in a sure. film that okay. you're watching. Otherwise, you're like, oh, you're sort of, I, okay, you're yeah. being self-referential. Yeah. You're diminishing your profession because you, that's the opinion oh, people see, have see, see. of actors. Yeah. Like They're so self-important. Okay. So, yeah, it takes me out. Chris? Uh, Switch was going to be my Switch, but we've talked about that. So I think we should wipe the sequels from the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. As for, In my brain, they had a devastating effect on my love of this film and how I remembered it. And I'm I'm glad that I've forgotten them now because re-watching it, that's gone out. But it was interesting. I was watching a, an interview from a few years ago with Lana talking about what went wrong in terms of audiences. She was kind of blaming audiences for not liking it, saying that audiences got it wrong. She was saying the moment of enlightenment at the end of part one, everyone loved. But then we wanted to assault and deconstruct that ending in part two and three and wanted the audience to take that path. Uh, She said the backlash was because people wanted to stay in their cocoons. But I don't agree with that. I just think they didn't work from a narrative or visual point of view. It became all too convoluted. And I just think they lost the thread that 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 combination of action and plot and philosophy that made these work so well they just i think they needed an editor they needed a producer to tell them no or just to you know just to this is so tight this first film that those other two just feel really bloated and i really actively hate them it's funny that you say that because i think there was an author who Tried to sue the Wachowskis because he believed that they'd ripped off his Mm. idea for his book for the use uh, for use in the original Matrix. Uh, But he'd done it after the sequels came out. And part of his uh, case was that he only wrote one book, which is why the sequels were so shit. (laughs) Oh, that's that's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Kim. Well, I mean, I would I would cast Harold Perrineau Jr., uh, who plays Link in the in the next film and replaced Tank uh, as in the Tank role in this film to save everybody a lot of uh, headaches. <laughs> yeah. uh, poor old Marcus Chong, no scratch that. But aside from that, there is there is one moment that I really dislike, and that's when Keanu Reeves comes out of. Uh, Hugo Weaving's body at the end bursts out. The effects. Oh, the green lumps. Terrible. And yeah. then, no, I don't mind the green lumpy okay. bit. That's nice. The body horror. It's his bulging eye. When he comes... <laughs> his big eye. Keep that in. Just the bit, just do better effects when he comes out of his body. It's rubbish. <laughs> and then Keanu Reeves does this funny flex thing. Can you see that, everyone? <laughs> Change that. It's, uh, yeah. It's weird. I mean, I do wish, I wish things had worked out with Marcus Chong and he was in the sequels because I think any, because of the reasons Chris said, which is that the narrative is like, it's like they totally overcomplicate something. Any how any anything that could have hung over from that first movie into the sequels mm. would have helped you go, I'm still, you know, there's still enough of an attachment to it and replacing him as Tank um, is just another big, big problem for the sequels, Victoria. Uh, two things. So when the gang on the Nebuchadnezzar are watching 
Morpheus and Neo have their kung fu fight and they can see on a screen, it should look like Mortal Kombat um, because that would be really funny. (laughs) (laughs) And then my real change is... Right, great, okay, good. So help me out because I've seen the sequels but I don't remember them. In any of the sequels, was Trinity told she was the one? No. Okay, so that's what it should be because she should have been told or she should have been led to believe by Morpheus that she mm. was the one. Then she sees the Oracle and the Oracle corrects her and says, unfortunately, because <laughs> you have to have this woman side role, you can't be the one. You have to love the one because I think she is, as a character, I, I agree with you that she is an amazing character given that you know absolutely fuck all about her. You don't know where she's from. You don't really know what she wants, but she's amazing and you're transfixed by her. And if she had a little bit of inner turmoil going on, she loves this man, but she thought she was going to be him. Character, character, character. That's okay. what I would do. It's good. It is good. I really like it. Right then. That is us done with the Matrix. Woo. Oh. It's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! And you can cut the tension with a knife. (laughs) (laughs) No idea which way this one's going to go today. This is such a difficult week. I I still don't know. I'm going to wait to hear yours. I'll tell you uh... what, you're going to laugh because I've written, just to appease... Tilzo over there. I've written this verdict that's like on the one hand and then on the other, which is just ridiculous. Oh, look, I have, I have, what have, you I have eight words. words. <laughs> I'll go first then. Uh, one of these is the greatest science fiction movies ever made, and the other is Tron. <laughs> Done. Um, all right, I'll do it because I wanted to be fair. Anyway, so even though Tron at the time would have been mind blowing and The Matrix at the time was mind blowing, so they both have that going for them. The effects took the roof off at the time, and actually. If Jeff Bridges doesn't get to do the full hero thing because the film is weirdly called Tron rather than Kevin, but I prefer Jeff Bridges' hero actually to Neo. I like someone that like has got a bit of, you know, knows how to make a joke. Mm. Um, but so the reason I'm going to pick the Matrix, obviously, but the reason I'm going to give is that the Matrix nails the philosophy stuff while what Tron does with this age of computing is conflates it with religion. And that is not, I know that there's religion in the Matrix, but they go much further into, you know, Plato's Cave and all the rest of it. Whereas in this they're just like oh the the fervor of believing in a user and just sort of conflate it with religious hysteria and that's not my thing so that's the reason i'm picking the matrix that's two uh kim i mean you have a book right in front of you called why we love the matrix but i know you're on tenterhooks as to which way i'm gonna go but uh you know with tron jeff bridges as you say but but ultimately tron has a rubbish villain and the matrix has a really good villain so, uh, and for all the reasons that Joss Whedon said that it works on so many levels, I'm going with The Matrix. Well, we have a winner, Chris, mm. for completion. Obviously. Yeah, you know, Tron does look timeless. I think it's an amazing visual achievement. And it, I do think it's very influential on the way we make movies now. But with The Matrix, watch it this time. I was, I was thinking about this. I think, I think there's a case to be made that it's the most influential action movie ever. Uh, The only one I can think of that comes close is Die Hard. And that changed the industry, but just from a sort of storytelling point of view, whereas The Matrix changed everything, fashion, visuals, storytelling. And so, yeah, it's it's and and the one thing I was worried about watching, I haven't watched it in about 10 years. I felt like last time I saw it, I thought it may be dated a little bit. But watching this time, I don't think it's dated at all, really. Mm. So it's just no contest. It's The Matrix. It's four. Four for four for The Matrix. The Matrix is our winner this week. (sighs) Yes. I know, shock, but there you go. The Matrix won. Right then, let's look ahead to Christmas now. It's the Merry Clashmas 
Holiday season specials. My clue on Monday was have a monstrous Christmas. I didn't check with which way round you guys were wanted to go, so I'm just going to give you one. Sure. And we, we did we did discuss it. Okay, well I've forgotten, which will be interesting. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you but know. I think you know what to do. Do, do you know on- what they are, Kim? No. Oh, okay. do you want to have a guess? guess? Monsters at Christmas. Oh, I might Monsters have an idea. No, I better not guess. I think I heard a, a bit of conversation earlier. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Victoria, I'm giving you How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Lovely. Very fitting. Christopher, <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you a Krampus. Very fitting. Very fitting. <laughs> so, How the Grinch Stole Christmas is on Amazon. Krampus is currently on Netflix for free if you have a Netflix account. Also on it Amazon. For free. Well, it sort of does. And The Grinch is on Sky Movies screening at the moment as well. Is it really? Yes. Not the animated Bendit Comeback version. No, let's okay. make that clear. Yeah, we're doing the Jim Carrey. Yeah, the Jim Carrey version. Uh, there you go. Those are our movies for our first holiday season. Special. In the meantime, if you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. A massive thank you to coming in, Kim. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, a serious voice. If you'd like to follow up on any of the themes discussed in this episode, you can by purchasing Kim's book, <laughs> Why We Love the Matrix. We're going to be back on Monday for our Clashmas holiday season specials with How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> it's been a long show. Bye bye. Speak to you Monday. Have a great weekend. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.